What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Pace the Nation, broadcasting here in Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are in Clarendon, the heart of Arlington County. I'm your host, Chris Farley. Alongside me, to my right, is Joanna E. Russo. Joanna, what's up? Hi, Chris. How's it going? It's good. Good to be back here in studio. Only a few days after we last broadcast, episode 56. We are back for episode 57. Also to my left is William E. Docs. Docs, what's up? Um, nothing. And that's how you answer the question when, when you're asked a question. Joanna. Yeah, she didn't really, She didn't answer the question. She didn't really answer my yeah, question directly. Yeah, she answered a question with a question. Well, yeah. you know what I was thinking about? You always say, like, broadcast from Clarendon. But Clarendon is, like, the store's address is in Arlington. True. So, so all of the, these... It's a neighborhood in Arlington. Yeah, I know. Sure. And I, I was thinking about it because all these neighborhoods in Virginia really confuse me. Like, Lion, whatever. Lion the, Park. Lion Park. Like, Lion Village. And I don't know any of them. And I was about to say that they're silly. But then I remembered that I live in Bloomingdale, which is... Right. A, a neighborhood, neighborhood in D.C., yeah. Which yeah. is a store. Right. <laughs> it's Bloomingdale's, I think. <laughs> yeah. Joanna lives in the outdoor department of <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are We are back for another exciting episode. A big show to get to today, guys. A post-Memorial Day show. How was you guys' Memorial Day? It was thrilling. Was it? Was it good? Did um, you go anywhere? Do anything? I, no, I didn't go anywhere, but my roommates all went somewhere, so I had the entire house to myself. Okay. I had both dogs, and I had a car. It was a great wow. weekend. Docs, how was your Memorial Day? Um... I also had the house all to myself, <laughs> but yeah. that's not something that's not different new, than my right? normal day, Right. and otherwise was uh, rather uneventful. I did go to Charlottesville over okay. the weekend, um, yeah. but I came back from Memorial Day so that I could watch Band of Brothers on HBO. Well, I, I, <laughs> that was the reason why you came back? They didn't have HBO in Charlottesville? Uh, no, all my friends in Charlottesville are too cheap to buy <laughs> HBO. I was generally asking, not necessarily about your Monday, but the whole weekend uh-huh. in general. So yeah, I, well, I answered for the weekend. I, yeah. I can tell yeah. you that there are hills in Charlottesville that they don't have here right. in, so, in uh, the district. So you got some good runs in out there. That's good, man. Uh, it is warming up. The D.C. humidity is hitting us. I was in New Jersey. Uh, it rained all day there. Uh, I went to uh, a meeting, a work meeting, I wanted, I wanted to tell you guys about real quick. We'll get to that here in today's big show. Uh, also today, we have Tom Foreman joining us. Uh, he's going to be part of our uh, book club. On June 12th, he is going to come to Navy Yard, and he's going to talk to us about his book, My Year Running Dangerously, A Dad, A Daughter, A Ridiculous Plan. It's about your running for a year? No, 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 no. no. But he'll be on the show to talk about that. Uh He's the dad, his daughter, Uh and the ridiculous plan. Uh, So uh, we'll we'll get into that and have a good discussion with Tom. He's a a CNN field reporter, and that's all I know. So we'll have Uh to ask him specifics on that. I don't even think you know what that means. (laughs) Um, And kudos to us for having uh, a guest on the show promoting something that happens after Correct. the release of the show, yeah. Uh, what episode number is this? 57? Fifty-seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it took us fifty-seven episodes to have that work <laughs> to get the timing right. Usually, yeah. we're like, and this guest is going to be over last weekend somewhere, <laughs> right? And yeah. we got to get in the time machine, and that's all mm-hmm. awkward. Yeah. So. Yeah. So no science today. No science needed today. So Tom Foreman will join us. Also today, we want to talk about the Army Ten Miler. It's still not closed. I want to get you guys thoughts on that. Uh, it's going to be Global Running Day here soon. 
actually tomorrow. So we'll have to do the time machine for that because that's going to be Wednesday, June wow. 1st. Yeah, so well. the scientists, call those scientists back. <laughs> okay. uh, and then we've got, of course, in the news and uh, probably a couple other things to get to, mm-hmm. uh, to in today's program. But Well, it's going to be boring, I guess, if Joanna had a car for the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> the, that's true. There's the no... last 20 minutes of our, our uh, Joanna stories. Yeah. And, on a Navy Yard updates or, yeah. or transportation uh, yeah. No uh, Uber stories. No Metro stories. Yeah. No bus stories. Do you take the bus? Uh, not anymore. I used to. Uh huh. What happened? Um, she just borrows cars. Yeah. Well, I just I'm. <laughs> there are buses in Bloomingdale, but they it's easier to take the Metro where I'm going. But where I used to live, it was easier to take the bus. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's. Well, we we can always get into that. That was always time in the program <laughs> to get into that, and then updates in Navy Yard. So. That's your agenda for today, but I did mention that I was in New Jersey. Uh, we had a meeting today, today as we record. And by we, May... he means not us. No, yeah, no, not no, us. no. May 31st, uh, Tuesday, May 31st, the day after Memorial Day. Last day in May. Last day in May. We had a meeting with the great people at Novo Nordics. Uh, they are the main sponsor of the New Jersey Marathon. The New Jersey Marathon. So uh, it was myself, it was Hillary, it was Kathy, it was Julie, and we met with two of the bigwigs up there. So as, you know, per usual, I'm kind of rushing out of the house to to make my trip up to New Jersey on Sunday. Probably so looking Sunday. for a cat. Yeah, looking for a cat. Shaking. Corralling the dog. Shaking that Motown group. <laughs> yep, Shaking the stuff to get the cat, you know, corralled. Exactly. So the whole zoo has got to be placed. And the last thing on my mind really was this this big meeting that we had today with the main sponsors. And they are this is a legit big sponsor for the marathon. So we needed mm-hmm. to impress them. So I didn't really think about that. I was just going to my my parents in law place at the shore and then going for a day and then going to the uh, to to the meeting on Tuesday for the marathon and meeting the folks from Pacers that day. So I packed. A uh, a nice polo shirt, mm-hmm. but I didn't remember to pack anything, you know, pants wise. Mm-hmm. So, so you're a Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that because so, Winnie the Pooh definitely wears a collared shirt. Yeah. So I, I wake yeah. up, was it red? No, it was white. It was a white collared shirt. So I wake up this mm-hmm. morning and I have the nice collared shirt mm-hmm. ready to go, and then just a pair of jeans, and that's all I got. Jeans. And I figured, you know what? Jeans and running shoes. I figured, you know, that's that's fine. And Julie's like, there's not that's not okay. And we don't have time. You know, it's seven AM. We're we gotta be there at nine thirty. Mm-hmm. I said, This is what I got and I didn't really and I just botched it. I just slept on it. You know, I just thought, Oh, it's not gonna be a big deal. You know, so I figured I'll be fine. I'll be the running guy. You know who shows up, and these guys are big time sponsors and great people. Then I think that you should have committed and gone long shorts. <laughs> should have gone probably <laughs> shorts. Yeah. So, a pair of running shoes, pair of dungarees. Do you guys call them dungarees? No, definitely not. Okay, I don't even know what that means. They're blue jeans. I don't know. They they didn't have holes what are you from in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have holes in them, so I figured it was okay. Mm. Uh, Julie dresses way nicer than I uh, was expecting. I get there. Kathy's in a really nice dress. Hillary's in a suit, and I am extremely underdressed in Uh-oh. my dungarees and uh-huh. my uh, running shoes. And these guys are big sponsors. You know, we want to impress them, 
and secure them for the next few years. And they are great partners for, for us here in the Jersey Marathon. Uh-huh. And what were they wearing? We're really my first impression. They had business suits on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Two women who were very professional in business suits. And they looked at me. I don't know. I, I mean, they, they, they were very nice about it. But they looked at me like I was vermin, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the venue? The venue was they have a beautiful campus right outside Their Princeton. Okay. No, it's not, it's not quite that. It's, it's a beautiful campus. I mean, it's probably, I don't know how big an acre is, but I'd say it's 200 acres. <laughs> so we go into this campus, this 200-acre campus. Uh-huh. More or less. Why, <laughs> why are you saying 200 acres? I, I, it was huge. It was huge. <laughs> So gated, you go in there. He also thought those tiny stickers were like five inches by five inches. Yeah, that's true. So we go into this gated. You, 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 the guard lets you in. I'm severely underdressed. Uh, you have a, I mean, it was like Fort Knox getting in there. So she says, we're going to take you to our offices uh, that overlook our lake right outside of our beautiful plexiglass window uh and and it it overlooks this cafeteria and lake did you have tiny cucumber sandwiches we didn't weren't serve food fortunately because i would have not known what to ask for at all well you probably didn't have turkey sandwiches if they serve you food yeah if they bring snacks to the to the venue you don't ask for them that's true that's a good point they just show up with with the tiny cucumber sandwiches (laughs) that's true so we're overlooking this this lake that Novo Nordisk made. How, how, how many leagues is it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, twenty thousand leagues. <laughs> I don't know, but it was. Did the they shape take you of, on a submarine? <laughs> the shape of Fight an octopus. <laughs> the shape of New Jersey. This lake is literally the shape of New Jersey. Uh-huh. So it's a man-made lake. It's a man-made, beautiful lake with you know oh, plexiglass office overlooking this cafeteria this lake did you take pictures i should have i'm sorry oh, i was yeah. embarrassed joanna, to pull the, my phone out joanna the scale for the lake is 1 mile equals 1 mile <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sitting there severely underdressed and embarrassed and I, you know i said they looked at me like i was vermin you know mm-hmm. I, i'm overstating it i think they were fine we got into the conversation, and the conversation was basically how we need to uh, pretty up the expo and pretty up everything, and here I am sitting in my dugger- yeah. dun- dungarees. Real good example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, it ended up going okay. You could have spun it. I just botched it. You yeah. could have spun it. You're, <laughs> like, been like, you're like, I'm the I'm, before. Yeah, I'm the I'm expo the before. now. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Kathy and Hillary are what we can be. Right. Uh-huh. So I use the word garage sale mm-hmm. for the expo. Yeah. Uh, you know, no offense. I think we could do better. It was a nice garage sale, but I think uh-huh. we can we can really upgrade it to what's something better than a garage sale. See, okay, that's great. Um, <laughs> so by by excluding Joanna and I from this meeting, uh, we could have offered two yeah two pieces of advice. That was the first one, doing the old before and after. Yeah, that would have been a good uh, spin, yeah, which good would idea. have been good. The other one is I, I wonder why the other three just didn't tell you to wait in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. Correct. I think that crossed their mind. Yeah. They're probably regretting that they didn't. And they, they can put a sign on the door that says the air conditioner's on. Yeah. Uh, he has snacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has a water bottle. Right. Please do not break the window. They could have just said I was their driver. That would have been the move. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, it went extremely well, though, other than, other than like I said, my attire. But uh, it, was, it was great to be up in New Jersey. And uh, I didn't know they had man-made lakes. 
Yeah, is Lake Opakon is the largest man-made well, lake man-made in Well, man-made lakes that were like the shape of New Jersey. Pretty mm-hmm. pretty cool. So if you ha- if you were in a helicopter mm-hmm. or did like a Google map of it, you would see the lake look like a uh, and New Jersey, oh, Google Earth, not Google Map. I'm sorry, Google Earth. New Jersey is a very nice shape as well, as far as states go. It's very, very sexy. I would, <laughs> I would say compared to what? I mean, isn't Wyoming Delaware? Like, she hates Delaware. <laughs> Delaware is ugly. New, Jer- New Jersey is a is a, a has a very nice figure. Okay, all right. They do have the Jersey State. Isn't in it a little middle top of, heavy? In the Jersey. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. In the, in the, in the middle of the, the license tag, your license tag may be XYZ, and then they have the little state New Jersey. In the middle, yeah. In the they middle, do. and mm-hmm. then it says 124 or something like that. Yeah, so maybe they're proud of their shape as well. I think so. Um, so that was my uh, Memorial Day. Uh, hopefully, I didn't ruin the uh, the sponsorship deal with the great people at Novo Nordisk, but. I think it, it overall went 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 well. The uh, the rest of the Pacers crew uh, picked up the slack for me, as per usual. As per usual. Well, thank you, Docs, and as per usual, you are my biggest cheerleader. I appreciate that. All right, guys. Next up, excited to be joined by CNN correspondent and author of My Year Running Dangerously: A Dad, A Daughter, A Ridiculous Plan. In studio is going to be Tom Foreman next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And guys, now excited to be joined by the author of My Year of Running Dangerously, A Dad, A Daughter, and a Ridiculous Plan. It is Emmy-winning... CNN correspondent Tom Foreman. Tom, hey, to the show. Hey, How- hey, that sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what it says on your book. Here, yeah, man. well, if it's in print, it can't be untrue. Yeah, well, uh, we appreciate you, you coming and joining us in studio, and really appreciate you uh, giving us all a copy of your book. And we all have confessions to make from the beginning, as none of us have read it yet. So, <laughs> so thank, so thank. Oh, you. it's going to be one of those interviews, yeah, is yeah. it? Well, let me assure you, it's the best book you've never read. Yes. <laughs> well, we are looking forward to it. We uh, we, we are excited to have you also uh, June 12th at the Pacers Running Store in Navy Yard. And so we have a lot of people who are excited to hear you. So this is a good promotion for that. So you can still sign up for the book club. And Tom Foreman, again, will be June 12th. It's runpacers.com backslash book club. Uh, and you can talk to Tom like we're going to do here today, uh, and and Tom. So yeah, thank you for the for the book. I am excited to 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 read this. Joanna was particularly excited to see you running in the uh, the winter uh, gear here in the snow trail runs because she loves winter running. Joanna, uh, remember you were talking about looking at pictures of food last week. <laughs> yeah. Before you go on your runs, you can just look at. Uh, running in the yes. snow every day, yeah. and that's how you can get through your summer running. So, so where where was this? Where was this picture? That's taken? right down by the Potomac, not okay. far from Great Falls on the uh, Maryland side. Okay, that's one of my normal trails down there, but it wasn't very normal that day. No, it was it was, it was heavy snow. It was it was very heavy snow. It, pretty cool picture, and you're obviously a, a, a big time runner. You did run. What was your run today? Uh, today was just a training run. I'm okay. doing some intervals. I'm trying to, you know, trying to Boston qualify okay. this fall. Nice. I'm All right. Not, I'm not only really going to be as fast as any of you, but I'm okay. trying to be this fall. What's What's your target race? 
my target my speed for this race? Well, what like my target race? Yeah. Oh, my target race is an unusual choice. Okay. Yeah, because you know the Boston calendar is such that you have a year to qualify, but because the entries are kind of mid-September, mm-hmm. you are either qualifying the fall before or right. the spring before. It's really hard to get a race right before the entries open. But I kind of really wanted to do that because my daughter Ronnie, who got this whole thing started, is up at MIT now. Mm-hmm. And so she lives right on the Boston course. Okay. So I thought, boy, it'd be great to run next spring. But that means qualifying this fall. And I started looking around at all these weird little races Mm -hmm. that are certified. Right. Lo and behold, suddenly I see this race here in D.C. called the Abibi Bakila. Oh, I I knew it. I knew that was going to be it. Like 180 finishers or something. It's really small. Mm -hmm. It's on the canal where I train all All the the time. time. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be kind of a... Not exciting path. <laughs> It'll be kind of an out and back. And that's but, fine. Twice. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it's flat. Right. And it's a soft surface. Yeah. Soft surface. All right. I know it well. I can get a good night's sleep. I'm not in a hotel room. Yeah. I think that's... So we'll see what happens. I think that's a good plan. And it's a, the Saturday before Boston applications probably open on Monday. Nice. Wow. And it's the Saturday before the Parks Half Marathon on Sunday, which I'll be running, so... Well, so. you, you do a lot of local yeah. races, but you weren't always a runner. And I know you talk about that in, in the book. When did you actually become a, let's say, quote unquote, a runner? Well, you know, I was, the book talks about how I was a young runner mm-hmm. in my 20s. And, and in high school, I was a, a natural runner in that I could, with very little training, win a lot of races, mm-hmm. which is good and bad. The good part <laughs> is it feels really, really good. The bad part is it gives you no incentive to train. Right. Until you get up against people who are just as naturally talented who do train. <laughs> right. And then suddenly I'm like, well, I don't want to do this. This sucks. And who wants right. to lose? Right. But I didn't think about doing the work either. So I ran a few marathons when I was young, never really trained for them properly. And then when I was uh, 51, my older daughter, I have two daughters, Allison and Veronica, Ronnie, Veronica is the older one. Mm -hmm. She was in her first year of college at Georgia Tech studying aerospace engineering. And she said, would you help me train for a marathon? And I really hadn't done it in a long time. And I remembered it took a lot of time and that I'd never spent enough time. But I said, sure, let's try it. Now, were you training her over, you know, you know, just training because you couldn't train with her being right, here that right. you're in D.C. Right. Were you going to give her a training program? Was that sort we of took, the plan? We took the same training program. It was mm-hmm. a, a runner's world program. Just jumped into it and started saying, OK, we'll do it each day. We'll exchange notes and we'll hold each other accountable, hold okay. each other accountable. We had certain you know, rules like you know, no, no fibbing ever. Nice. One I like that. Foot. It was like, you know, you got to mm-hmm. go the mileage. Yeah. Every day, no matter what. And uh, it was really, really fun. And honestly, it was the first time I ever properly trained for a marathon. So when we crossed the finish line, it was the Atlanta, the Publix, Georgia Marathon, mm-hmm. which is which is <laughs> which will make clear to you how many hills are in Atlanta, which you don't think are there. And I'm not I'm not one who whines about hills. Right. But at that race, wow, it was her first marathon. And we're we're like. We were at least 23 miles in, I think, before I finally said to her, yeah, these are a lot of hills. Because <laughs> I didn't want to admit it to her early because she was like, wow, these are right. a lot of hills. And I'm like, that's ah, a marathon. Don't worry. Just keep running. 
But we got near the end, and I'm like, man, that's a lot of hills. But we finished it, and it went so well that she said, um, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, well, I don't know. It feels really good. This is the best running I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. So we kept going, and I ended up that year, the reason it's called my year of running dangerously, I went basically from a standing start to doing four half marathons, three full marathons, and my first 50-mile marathon, wow. ultra marathon in a year. Wow, and it was it was a it was an experience, and I didn't get hurt, and I was over fifty. That's, over that's 50. A, wow! That's now you said in in the book, and I've read you know a couple of uh, promotional pieces on the book. It said it was the most terrifying moment of your. I mean, that's probably a little over dramatic, but why was it so ter- terrifying to well, you because, when she asked you well, to because, train with you? Because I wasn't ready. Yeah, and because frankly, you know, you you hit certain milestones in your life, and I've always been pretty much game for all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But I just thought I'm over 50 now. And it's not that I couldn't do a marathon, but I knew they were a lot of work Mm -hmm. from my memory. And as I said, I'd never done enough to begin with. So I thought, "Eh, I don't know, do I really want to do all this? And, and will I get hurt? Or will it just wear me out or whatever? And, and then the fact that it kept expanding from that the other thing that made it terrifying is it was a, qu- a request from my daughter. Right, right. <laughs> you know, my my brother, who's three years older than me, he asked me a couple of years before that, hey, why don't we marathon again? Right. And I had no trouble at all saying to him, nice <laughs> idea, I'm not doing you it. You blew him off. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But then she said it, and it's like, right. well, there's no, you don't yeah. say no to this. Yeah. So how did your relationship with your daughter change over the course of training for this marathon? We have a close family we've always had a close family but i'm a big believer in this idea that you know one of the hardest things i think for a parent is to let your kids grow up mm-hmm. it's really really hard especially when they hit that transitional stage from being a student who lives at home with you to a young adult who's exploring the world out there at low altitudes <laughs> and and uh and and what it really did was give us a new language of something that hadn't been part of our life as dad and little daughter. Mm -hmm. And suddenly we could talk a lot more as adults about this thing. And this thing became a a, a metaphor for many other things in life. And we had so many conversations when, I mean, she's studying aerospace engineering at one of the toughest schools in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really, really difficult. Right. Many conversations were based on the, remember how you felt at 19 miles? <laughs> right, right. That's where Good you metaphor. are now. Right? right. You just hang in there. I know it's, I know this sucks right now. Put one foot in front of the other one. Keep moving. Grind off a couple more miles and you'll be okay. So your job takes you all over the world, really. And now that you're this fanatical runner, you must have run in some crazy places other than the canal, the beautiful canal, <laughs> out and back, and two, two loops out and back. Yeah. But it's, it must have taken you all over the place. What type of places have you run? I got really weird looks. Uh, this was years ago when I, I, I wasn't running serious. I've always kept sort of a foot yeah. in it, but not seriously, right? Um, I went running in Red Square in Moscow, years ago and and was surprised at how much people stared right. because i thought well they certainly must be used to this right now and the russians i knew were like no this idea of people exercising out in the street is still pretty foreign to people here right and so that was kind of an unusual thing the book tells a story about not an unusual place 
but an unusual circumstance. We were on the road in Nevada, and we'd been doing these really, really long weeks where we were every day was just hours and hours and hours, and everything was running behind that day, and it was winter. So it wasn't crazy cold, but you know how the desert gets cold. Mm -hmm. And I had to get in, I can't remember right now, I don't have my notes, but 14 or 16 miles that day. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to run in an area called the, what is it called? The Red Rock Canyon something to the west of town. And it's sort of a wilderness area, a national park thing. And anyway, the day kept running later and later. And finally I said, my producer finally said, okay, you're good, go. And I took off. And it took longer to get there than I thought. And when I got there, the park was already closing. But this ranger said, well, there's a back entrance park down here and take off. Well, I took off on my run, which is all well and good. And having a good time and feeling the whole day decompress. And I'm cutting off the road on little trails and I'm running. And suddenly I turned around and it was like somebody turned a light switch. Mm-hmm. And it was dark. Right. right. Mm-hmm. right I'm now. looking at pictures of the Red Rock Canyon. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful, but there doesn't look to be street lights around there. Right. And no, the, and no I had no headlamp. <laughs> right. I had no, right. I had nothing except a vague recollection of where I had turned. Right. And it got so dark so fast. And I'm just kind of feeling along down these oh, trees. No. And I'm like, man. And then the coyote started howling. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's sort of the thing. I'm like, wow, it's going to be really weird in the morning when they're like looking at the tattered remains of my clothing. Yeah, there's a shoe over there. You know, one of those things. So you have a unique, really cool job, and I'd like to ask you some some about that. But does the folks at CNN think, you know, it's kind of now it's Tom the crazy running guy? Yeah, a little bit. But you know, we have a lot of runners there, Mm -hmm. and and I think. You know, I I believe I had an I get to name drop here. Yes, one please my, do. One of my friends is Meb Kaflesky. Oh, okay. So magnificent, wonderful runner yep. who is a friend to mankind. I mean, he's just he's really awesome. he's like guy. the Tom Hanks of the running. Isn't world. he? He's yeah. like the nicest guy in the right. world. Um, Meb was at my office one day. He was in town doing something, and he just stopped by, and he and his brother were hanging out in my office, and we were yakking about things. And at one point, uh, Meb and I were looking at my splits from the New York Marathon a couple of years ago. <laughs> And Meb looks and he says, oh, you know, if you just gone a few seconds faster per mile, you could have. And I said, hey, pal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, there are 50,000 runners. One of you gets to win. Yeah, none of us won the Boston <laughs> it's Marathon. It's not going to be. The, the yeah. rest of us are running for something else. <laughs> right. You know, so thanks for the advice. But uh, the something else that I run for and that I think most of us run for is, you know, that sense of personal let's get along and do a little better and feel good about yep. what we do. So at the office and among my friends, uh, I think a lot of people know I do big mileage, but they also know that I'm very, very happy to have, you know, a 20 minute conversation about somebody who's trying to do their first 5k yeah, and look at their training plan and talk to them about it and hear their ideas and take advice from them and give advice to them. And, and, uh, I, I one of the lines I have somewhere in the book is I say I, I like running in the middle of the pack because it's a good place to pat people on the back mm-hmm. because you know we all need that out there. Really exceptional runners have a chance of turning the corner and seeing an empty street because they're in front. Right. I'm never going to be that guy again. I guess if I pick a small enough race, maybe. <laughs> right. You know, and I surprise <laughs> them all. But uh, I'll pick the uh, you know the the uh, uh, 
little little cardinal school in right. Sioux Falls on their <laughs> fundraising day. They'll have no idea. Well, now everybody knows you're going after that exactly. one. So you've got no chance. I'll wear a disguise. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, but you, you do have a, 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 an incredible job. Uh, one thing I read on Wikipedia, and Wikipedia is always correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. You, you, the best uh, source for news, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. exactly. <laughs> you wrote a letter every day to Obama. Is that true? Yeah, it was. It was. It, I mean, honestly, it was a joke, vaguely obsessive, like something a prisoner might do. Okay, but a joke nonetheless. Andy Dufresne, you mean? Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And and I got a lot of books from my library. <laughs> um, I uh, I uh, when he was inaugurated. We had this blog at CNN that they wanted something written for, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll write 10. Because he had said about, you know, somewhere in the transition period, he said at some press conference, a lot of people think that, oh, they have a lot of ideas about how to run the country. I wish they'd let me know because I could use advice. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I thought, great, I'll write 10 days of advice to the president. Okay. And it was general stuff, and it was all <laughs> kind of funny and kind of goofing around. But people liked it. So then I said, oh, well, I, I guess I'll do a month. So how were people seeing seeing these? They're just posting it online. Posting I, I think online. You can okay. st- I think they can. I think you can probably find them all still online. Okay. I guess I'm not sure. Okay. Exactly these now. are different letters. You're writing different content every time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no. If I wrote the same copy every day, that would not be. I mean, that would just be. Well, yeah, that's what I. That's not. That's what I told them when when Farley said that before. I was like, he probably just printed the same no, letter no, no, and no. sent it. No, it was the same letter, and um, I I didn't. I never mailed them. I always just posted them. I thought about mailing them, and then honestly, I thought, well, that's a lot of stamps. <laughs> um, but I just, uh, I would write a new, and they all had to be full letters. It could never be just like a paragraph. It could never be like the letter you wrote to your girlfriend in college when you said you'd write every day. Hey, not much going on today. Got to go. But, you know, right, so it couldn't right, be that. Right. It had to be a full letter. And I determined I would write one every single day. Weekends, holidays, there would not be a day I didn't write one. So for the first term, for the first four years, every single day there's a letter. And it was all just meant as a joke. And people kept saying, has he responded? And I said, if he responded, it would ruin the whole joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's funny to write to somebody forever who doesn't respond. So, Well, the book is uh, My Year Running Dangerously a Dad, a Daughter, and a Ridiculous Plan. Uh, it, it says also here, and, and you can get it, Amazon, you can get it everywhere. Uh, get it at Pacers? You, well, not, not yet. We show you. That's a sore, 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 sore subject. Huh? Uh, but it says here, again, in the, in the copy here, that you've, um, you've been in war zones, riots, natural disasters, interviewed serial killers. I, I mean, can, g- give me at least one, one of those, because uh, all of those are interesting to me. Let's start with the serial killers. <laughs> yeah. well, the serial killers. That that uh, in the actual text of the book, uh, serial killers was changed from interview to met. Mm-hmm. Although I, because I never had a sit down interview okay. with any serial. Killer. I covered Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Okay, at the height of Jeffrey Dahmer, which was an amazing story. And my mm-hmm. younger daughter, who is fascinated by crime, mm-hmm. um, asked endless stories. It. I probably wasn't a good dad in the sense in that they were really <laughs> little, and I was like, climb up on the daddy's lap, and they were like. Tell me about the heads in the freezer. And I'm like, well, you know, it was, um, it was, but that's kind of a news family. That's kind of a little right. bit how it goes. Covered Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, cover, put the first picture ever on TV of the Unabomber. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah. That was really exciting because we, I was working for Nightline at the time and we got that picture. He was coming out of this. I had interviewed a bunch of people in this little town, Lincoln, uh, Montana about the guy the day they they arrested him 
and they were describing him. And suddenly we had a crew that I had said, go to the end of the road where they're going in and out because you couldn't get to the property and shoot everything that comes in and out. They showed up like 12 minutes before Nightline started with their tape at the time. And I said, did you get anything? They said, nah, bunch of cars going in and out. Not mm-hmm. much. I said, anybody unusual? They said, one guy in this one car looked kind of wild. And I said, what do you mean kind of wild? It's kind of wild hair, which is exactly what people in town have been describing to us. Huh. Mm-hmm. And I jumped out onto the street of this little town. And I yelled to some guy who I just interviewed an hour ago, get over here. Come here. Quick, quick, quick. Because we had rushed over that day. He ran inside. He looks at it. He says, that's him. And I got on the phone. I called the executive producer and Ted Koppel here in Washington. And I said, we have the first picture of the Unabomber suspect. You can have it on in 10 minutes. Wow. And they turned around the top of the show. And 10 minutes later, Ted Cobbles, you're looking at the first picture ever of the man believed to be the Unabomber. That's a good impression. Do you do any other impressions? No, I do. Ted, well, I do. Some, the problem is I'm getting older. A lot of the people I do good impressions of are gone now. Nobody <laughs> so, knows who they are yeah. anymore. All right. Well, I, I do a great Douglas Kiker, but nobody knows who Douglas Kiker is. Well, let's hear it anyway. Yeah. For Doug those Kiker, Douglas Kiker Doug fans Kiker. out there. He had a great uh, finish to a piece one time about uh, the Jack Daniels distillery laying off people. Mm-hmm. For the first time ever, okay. and whole families worked there. And I loved his closing line. He said, "One man who was laid off and whose wife wasn't said, now he'll have to be a go-getter. He'll take his wife to work in the morning and go get her in the afternoon." <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It's pretty so, good. I don't so, know who that person is, but you, you nailed the impression. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'll do my uh, I'll do my uh, my uh, James Garfield shortly because you won't know that one. <laughs> All right. Well, if we have time, we'll get to the James yeah. Gar- Garfield. Yeah. Uh, but Big runner that Garfield was <laughs> you, too. Yeah. You That's do, the rumor. You yeah. do have a you have a crazy schedule. So tell me about the, you, you know on these days because you are serious about getting these runs in. So, hmm. you know, you mentioned the, the, the run in Nevada where you're cramming it in. Is it is it a lot of days like that where you're not sure whether you can get the runs in and you get them in whenever you can, or do you have a pretty regular schedule to do your runs? Well, it kind of depends on the time of year. This year with the election, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, it's like it's all over the map. I and mean, We have nights where, you know, we're there till 1 or 2 in the morning and other times when we have to get in early, and it, it's just kind of wacky. I, I just find that by and large, most of us have more time in our day than we think we do, mm-hmm. even when we're really busy. Mm-hmm. And if you really prioritize your run, you will almost always find time for it. I love that. I, I do, too. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Like today, I mean, I was a little late getting over here because of, I was out doing a run mm-hmm. that I couldn't do this morning because Ronnie, uh, Ronnie started today as a, uh, a visiting researcher over at NASA for the summer before she goes back to school at MIT. And I had to take her over this morning because we were trying to sort out cars and everything. So I couldn't do my morning run this morning unless I got up really early and I didn't want to get up that early. But then I thought, well, I'm going to do this run and maybe I can squeeze it in before the interview. If not, if I hadn't, I would have left here tonight. And if it was 9, 30, 10, I'd go out running then. Yeah. You know, but you got to do it because the problem, I mean, you know, the sliding scale, you let one go. Yeah. Then you let the next one go. Right. Mm-hmm. It's easier to let the and falling suddenly, one go. suddenly... You know, suddenly you have this Swiss cheese schedule and you're like, wow, that's supposed to be all filled in. And instead it's, I missed here, I missed here, I missed here, I missed here. And can I really say that I'm on track for what I'm trying to do now? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or am I headed toward an injury or a really bad performance because I'm just not ready? Mm-hmm. Well, you said you've stayed really injury free, mm-hmm. which is awesome, to the point where you could complete a 
50 miler. You said you ran JFK. How was... No, no, it was a stone mill. Stone mill. Stone okay, mill. I'm sorry. Okay, how was... And it was a fifty stone mill 50 miler. How, <laughs> the first one, the first one, it, which uh, the book focused... The first one was... Uh, it was a it was a an otherworldly experience. Mm-hmm. It was. Are you guys ultra runners at all? I've run an ultra. Yeah. Yeah. Which one did you do? I did JFK and JFK. Yeah, it was tough, man. It's surreal. Yeah, I do. It's, I do marathons, you know, once or twice a year, and that was the hardest thing. I yeah, think. it's crazy. Yeah. It's it's a uh, it's a whole different kind of running. Yeah. People and are so much more friendly in ultra. They running. are ultra runners. Uh, yeah. I will say that ultra runners are the nicest people yeah. in the world, and I believe they're the nicest people in the world because at the beginning of every race. Every one of us knows we may not finish. <laughs> it's true. Because there are really great ultra runners who, you Don't, know, you yeah. get in and something can crash on you. Yeah. And you're, it's not like a marathon where you might be able to limp by and say, well, I feel bad, but I'll yeah. just push through that last eight miles. You can feel that way and you can still have a lot to go. And have this, 20 miles to go. Right. Yeah, this last fall, promoting the uh, hardcover copy of the book, um, I uh, I just did what was truly a stunt, but it was sort of interesting to do. I ran the Chicago Marathon. Then two weeks later, I ran five marathons in five days. Wow. With the second one being the Marine Corps Marathon. Then three days after that, I ran the New York City Marathon. Wow. And then two weeks after that, I ran Stone Mill again. That's Wow. But the result was, now here's what's interesting about this. First of all, I ran everything slowly mm-hmm. because when you're ultra running makes you slow. I, I say that at the risk of offending fast ultra runners, right. but they're a rare group. Yeah, I, I had to, that was my problem. I went out too fast, and I ran like a marathon. You just got to do it slow. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's all about just constant yeah, movement, yeah, right? Right. Um, what was interesting about this experience last fall was that I got through it all, and that's a lot of mileage in a short period of time, and I didn't get injured. But what I was struck by is that it took me. I don't know, three months, maybe more, to get any kind of bounce back in my legs. In your legs, right, to recover. I, and I thought, I thought, hey, I made it. I'm right. fine. No right. injury. But I would go out and run through this. This winter, my running was all right meh, Because every time I went out, it was like my legs were full of sand. And I thought, what is going on here? And I think that it just takes enough of a toll that coming back from it is really hard. Yeah. I, I, you know, at the store, I usually recommend one or two marathons a year, two at the most. I would definitely say five in a row in consecutive days. I yeah, could see kinda, how that. Well, it was kind of silly. Yeah. It was fun. It was no, fun, it's, though. Yeah, it's right? a cool, yeah. It was fun and cool to do. But yeah. this year, I will do, um, you know, I will, do the, I will try the, the qualifying run in September. The next day, I'll run a half. But that's just for fun because my wife and some friends are running the half. The next day they run at a slower pace and that'll be, you know, it'll be a nice shakedown after running the day before. And then, uh, I have a friend who's trying to run stone mill for the first time, like maybe six or eight weeks later. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what it is this year. Mm-hmm. So if I qualify and everything's good, then I'll run stone mill with her just to pace her and make her feel good. But I'll tell you this. What's interesting is, is first time you do an ultra, it is otherworldly afterward like every race, you understand the race. Mm. And I, I say to yeah. so many young runners or people who are running for the first time, look, just whenever you run a new distance, first time, just run it. Don't worry about anything except just running it because you will get an understanding of the race that you can't get without covering the distance in a racing situation. And that understanding will make your future races infinitely better. Yep. I so I've run, I've run four ultras 
all over 50 miles. And they've all, they've had their own challenges, but I've run somewhere I wasn't nearly as ready as I was for the first one, but have been easier been races right. because mentally I know what's going on. Like the one I did last fall after doing the seven marathons in three weeks, um, when I did that one, I felt at 20 miles the way I would typically feel at 40 miles. Wow. So I knew I had 30 hard miles in front of me. Mm-hmm. But I also knew I could do it. Right. And I knew what it was going to feel like. The right. first time, you know, the first time, you're thinking, wow, yeah. this am I like permanently right. destroying my this legs? Is not good. No, <laughs> then you realize, no, I'm not permanently right. destroying them. It just really it hurts. Really, really I confess to a lot of things right. the last oh, time. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I robbed the bank. Yes, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> So, um, when you're training, do you take a lot of days off? Are you, are you, no. so you, so you're not a fan of taking days off. So like, I oh, you, oh, you mean days off of training from days off, of training. Taking off work to train. <laughs> no, <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. <laughs> uh, I take, typically I have two days a week as rest days. Okay. The schedule I'm doing right now has one day a week as rest days, which I'm a little wary of because of age. Mm-hmm. I, I think you need more rest time as you get older. You can still run well. So I will see, you know, how that goes. You know, Tim Noakes wrote in Lore of Running. Mm-hmm. I believe that's where I read it. A great description of comparing um, running schedules. He said, this is a great bit of wisdom, I think. He said, you shouldn't look at a running, a training schedule as a formula to produce a result. You should look at it as a scientist looks at an an experiment. I'm going to try this formula with the formula of me Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. see what the result is. And it may mean that I have to tweak things or change things because of me. Mm -hmm. The training schedule I'm looking at right now, it says nothing at all about age on there. And I'll guarantee you it it should be different for a 25-year-old and a oh, 56 yeah, yeah definitely yeah so the question i have is okay how much do i just overdrive it how much do i tweak it and how much do you tweak it honestly without feeling like you're cheating on the schedule where did you get your schedule from this one this one is a runner's world schedule i've okay. tried a lot of different ones and uh i i'm actually considering uh reaching out to some people i know who do coaching a little bit this mm-hmm. summer I mean, i've never done that but I'm trying to sort of rebuild my stride a little bit and see if I can make it a little more efficient, mm-hmm. you know, but we'll see. It's a, I, th- I think I'm like a lot of, uh, you know, some runners have really great uh, uh, oxygen processing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I really have. I think I have a, I have excellent processing, probably not great form. Right. So I'm, it's like, it's like putting a really powerful engine in a not great car. It will go fast because the engine's so powerful. But if you could re-engineer the car to make it more efficient, you might be able to put in a six-cylinder or a four-cylinder and go just as fast. Farley, do you know what any of that car stuff means? No, I'm, I'm not a car guy. Well, <laughs> I'm not much of a car guy either, but some of them yeah. go really fast. Right. I know that. Well, um, Docs, you had a couple questions for him. Yeah. So Farley likes to run to events. Have you ever run to an event before? Like social events. Do you ever like show oh. up to work? Like you run to work? or I think I've, I've run to work, I think, once. It's, it's like nine miles from my house. Mm-hmm. 
The problem is then it's all the stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, hey, you got to have clothes and all this because they, they kind of frown on you sitting around sweating all day. Yeah, and you gotta yes, he's got to have a shower. real job. I mean, he, yes, I understand. <laughs> yes, I, we, can run and, we can run and kind of work in our running clothes at the store. So that's a little we bit shouldn't. different. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, it's, but it's kind of great though, isn't it? Yeah. People are like, hey, check yeah. it out. Real runners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was fishing for a specific story. I heard you were at a play once, and uh, you ran a long run home from the play. It wasn't exactly home from the play, but it was certainly <laughs> at the play. I, it was at the play. Uh, it was uh, my sister had taken her uh, brother and uh, the brother's wife to uh, uh, see this show, and I was along and having a perfectly good time. But... It was. It kept running on. It was one of those musicals that seems to go on forever. Yes, you know. And I, I yes. like. I like Isn't that music. all of them. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I, I'm okay with musicals, although it's kind of strange. People always breaking into song. It's uh, a <laughs> and, and so. Uh, I I was just watching the time, and it was winter, and I was like, man, I'm gonna. This is gonna be bad because I am running out of time fast. And we were all supposed to go to dinner afterward and everything else, and I. I finally, God bless my wife, because she knew I was panicking. And she finally, as we were headed to dinner, she said, you know, Tom has got a really important training run he needs to do. Maybe we should let him go. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I managed to hit the trail just as it's starting to slip toward twilight. And I ended up doing most of the run in the dark mm-hmm. and the snow and ice. and yeah. But no and coyotes. No coyotes. No, yeah. I saw a fox that yeah, night. Okay. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how you can remember oh, I know. details Specific, of just like completely like, innocuous yeah. training runs, but you yeah. can remember all these details. Yeah, right about there is where the fox ran across <laughs> the road. That's when I heard the bells across the yeah. river. Yeah. And, you know. Yes. And then I also uh, am impressed that you're still working with all the success you've had with the grill, your Foreman grill. Yes, yes, the grill did very well. You, you know, actually, uh, George Foreman follows me on Twitter. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan of George Foreman. And you know, it's funny. My younger daughter, her which, name, which, which, which George Foreman, the, the the boxer, or any of his five children who named George. Anybody, yeah, the, the, <laughs> call my friends at Van Hell. Um, he's, I do a pretty good George Foreman impersonation yeah. too. Hey, Tom. Um, uh, I'm actually a big fan of George Foreman. He's like such a great boxer. Yeah. And, you know, it's really funny. My younger daughter, because her name is Allison, and she goes by Allie, mm-hmm. anytime you Google her name, you get the fight, Allie Foreman. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I'll never be in it. It'll be for the rest of my life. Right. I'll be doing right. this, you know? I told you he wasn't the Foreman girl guy, Doc. So well, he, just, he, hasn't, yeah. he hasn't denied it. <laughs> no, I haven't yet. Yeah, yeah. Which would be great. All right. Well, top, top, your, your, your daughter's still running. Is she running as much as you? Can't be um, not as much. Mu- not yeah. as much. She ran. She and I ran New York City Marathon together okay. two years ago. Last year, I can't remember. Last that was last year. She ran with me, and uh, we had a good time. She's done like mm, sixteen, seventeen half marathons now. Wow! Wow! She really likes it. I, you know, and I, I really do understand the appeal of the half. Yeah, because it's a manageable amount of training. You, you know, it's it's a, a race that you can wrap your hands around. Yep. You can have a really good time doing it. You can feel like a real distance runner, and yet you don't have to sell your whole life. Mortgage your mm-hmm. life for it. Well, yeah. And, and yeah. let me tell you, the biggest thing, I don't think I could have done all of this. I wouldn't have done all of this when our children were small. Right. Because I have a lot of other interests in playing music and writing and painting and reading a lot and things like that. And making jambalaya. Making jambalaya. I make an excellent jambalaya. We lived in New Orleans really? for uh, five years, and we still kind of call it home. We have a lot of friends down there, 
And oh, what a what a great town! And yeah, we love cooking. What's your? Do you have a secret ingredient? For jambalaya? Yeah. Yeah, it's called a secret. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what makes it a secret. No, I don't. There are so many different kinds of jambalaya, and we do a lot of Creole cooking at home. You know, whether it's shrimp Creole or jambalaya or etouffee or red beans and rice and. And sometimes we make crawfish pies. Okay, I'm ready for second dinner. Oh, it's so it's so great. And it's so oh my gosh. You get me talking about New Orleans and food. It's the best thing there ever is. You mentioned something as we were warming up and alluded to your musical background. Mm. Yeah. Uh can you shed some light on that? Yeah. We had a band in New Orleans and uh we played we're mainly a cover band. We did a few originals. Our biggest claim to fame was we opened at a great New Orleans music club called Jimmy's. We opened for the Grassroots one night. So, oh, yeah? Mm. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. And the Grassroots thought we were pretty hot. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Why, so, is that, why is that not on the book? Yeah, not, <laughs> that would be... Not, the band... Put that our, on the cover. Our, I was the front man mm-hmm. and uh, played uh, rhythm guitar, a little bit of lead, and uh, we were called the Crabs. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we like that. What was, what was the, the best cover uh, song that you did? Fire, fire by the Bruce Springsteen slash the Pointer Sisters. Got it. Okay, we did that, but we covered some unusual songs too. We covered uh, "Material Girl" by Madonna. Wow, a big, big uh, different range. Than, yeah, nice. yeah, we did, and we did. Uh, um, we did "Wild Thing" back when "Wild Thing" wasn't such a big thing. People, you know, these songs come and go, and so we did that song. But the great part about doing "Wild Thing" is in the middle of it, we'd be doing regular kind of like the Trogs kind of "Wild Thing." <laughs> And suddenly, the drummer would do this, boom, 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 and we'd switch into Tone Lokes version wow. of the wild thing. And the crowd go. would go wild. There you go. So, yeah. That's lived up to its billing, I yeah. guess. No doubt. Yeah, it was pretty great. Nice. It was pretty great. Yeah. And I have some great guitars still. I play all the, I haven't played with the band in ages, though. Ah, oh, that's too bad. It I was, I was hoping you would play. Uh, I was hoping your band would be playing around here sometime. Oh, yeah, do you want to plug the yeah. band? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll plug the, the band. Book, book the band. band. <laughs> Once in a while, when I go to New Orleans, the guys get back together and play a little bit. And but it's kind of, you know, honestly, it's kind of sad now. Yeah, they're like the old, you know, the, the, <laughs> you guys, the old guy in their pitches. Hey, let's, uh, yeah, let's do a pink Cadillac. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could I could see you guys playing Tone Loke Wild Thing right now. Probably. Yeah, which would be yeah. great. Yeah, we could we could probably get Tone to come join us. Now, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's not that busy. <laughs> he's not that busy. Yeah, he'd come in. Come in. You that, guys know Funky Cole Medina? Sure, we do. Tone. <laughs> that's a strong encore. Yeah, I think, that's I it. Think, yeah, that's the when entire concert. Yeah, I saw Bo Diddley in concert in New Orleans years ago, and I really liked him, except. Every song went on for like twenty five minutes, <laughs> and it was all like ant 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 like that over and over and over again. And every song at some point featured him going "Hey, Bo Diddley." Every song, every song. It was great. And you know what's weird? Uh, John Cusack was yeah. there at Tipitina's, leaning against a post, and I kind of walked over to him. I'm like, "Hey, aren't you John Cusack?" And he's like. Yeah, man. I'm like, all right. That was it? <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, great exchange. Huh? Have, have you seen John Cusack since then? No, it's weird. Well, he's a listener on the podcast. So he'll is be, he? He'll be thrilled to get that a shout-out. That would be out. so oh, great. Yeah. I don't know if he I is wonder if, not, I wonder but... if he's a runner. No, I, I don't think Cusack is. You guys don't talk about running that much no, on this we, podcast. We <laughs> 
guilty. For guys, for guys who make a living from running, it's, you know. Hey, what about the circus? Let's talk about that. <laughs> you know what I like? Veal chops. Those are great. All right, so Tom, you're you're going to be uh, at Pacers Running and Navy Yard on June 12th. Have you been on a book tour? Are you this a continuation of a book tour? It's kind of a continuing thing, uh, okay. you know. I've met a lot of people, talked okay. to a lot of great runners, awesome. and uh, it's it's. I got to tell you, you know what the best part about this whole thing is? It's really interesting. I've always wanted to write a book, and it's fun to do one. The really great part about this is the notes that I get from runners mm-hmm. everywhere. I mean, there's a there's a doctor in South Africa. I've had some people send me some notes from various parts of Europe, and and I just and just get these notes from people out of you know from nowhere talking right. about how they were inspired, or they had some idea, or how this really sounds like the story that they had with their kids, or how it helped them get their dad to run, and I, that is just such a great feeling because it's it's a continuation of what you're talking about earlier, the encouragement of the ultra running community. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it sort of spills over into all sorts of people. And, and you know, I'm the first to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not much of a runner. I, I run a lot. I love running a great deal. I'm not crazy fast. Mm-hmm. I, I'm fast enough to be vaguely competitive in my age group, but only vaguely. I'm not, I'm not going to win it. Yeah, unless I pick the right race the right day, right? <laughs> right? Right. Um but I do love running and I love people who run because I find it to be a uh, it's one of the rare things that I see nothing but good from in our society. And there are a lot of things that have a lot of mix of things. Runners by and large are just they're good people to me. They're nice people and they're people who are interested in in being good at what they do. And even when we have conversations about like gear, right. they're not really crazy. They're not like cycles. <laughs> you know? I mean, they're all about right. the gear. You know, we talk about just mainly it's about running and it's about, you know, Oh, how'd this go? And how'd you feel? And you know, we, we have little conversations like that, but mainly it's just an encouraging community. And I, I belong now to Virginia happy trails, running club, DC road runners, um, the Montgomery County road runners, New York city road runners, marathon maniacs. Yeah. And I'm happy to belong to those groups because I like to encourage other runners by being part of the running community. You know, I think it's a good thing. And I really have actually been very surprised and thrilled with the response to this reading running group that you put together Mm -hmm. because I I, I think it's a nice thing. And I, I, I buy books from other writing runners all the time because I think it's, you know, this is my personal belief. I think it's important to encourage artists you know, and writers are among artists, but I like to encourage runners too. Yep. And I like the fact that people make that effort. And I almost always find in all these books I read from runners, something that makes me feel good and inspired. And if you get to contribute to that by writing a book, that's a pretty great feeling. You know, That's awesome, man. Well, it's Tom Foreman. We're going to see him June 12th. We can continue the conversation. Come and say hello. Talk to him about the book. Talk to him about his band. Talk to him about his pork chop veals oh pork chop veals jambalaya yeah. whatever it is jambalaya he, yeah. all yeah. of it he can he can field questions from all sorts of subjects so his book again is my year of running dangerously a dad a daughter and a ridiculous plan it's tom foreman tom thank you so much for the time awesome interview great to great to meet you and i'm gonna get you to sign my book too man i'll do it this is a, awesome. this is a pleasure this is a lot of fun awesome All right, that's Tom Foreman. We're going to take a quick break. This is Pace the Nation. We'll be right back.
right, welcome back to the program. Uh, thanks again to Tom Foreman for joining us, uh, our new favorite guy, I think, on the planet. Uh, his his book is again, my year of running dangerously, a dad, a daughter, a ridiculous plan. He's an Emmy-winning uh, CNN correspondent. And, and the inventor of the Foreman Grill. Yeah, and the inventor of the Foreman Grill. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, I, I'm not sure whether he... Never denied it. He never denied it. I'm not <laughs> uh-huh. sure whether he totally acknowledged it either. He does uh-huh. did, didn't say that George Foreman follows him on Twitter. Which, yeah. But, I think uh, everybody just heard that, so right, no need right, for us right, to recap yeah, yeah. In, in that kind of detail. That's true. I wish that we could have made that a two-hour show. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, he was awesome. It was fantastic. Uh, one of my favorite parts was, is this a running podcast? Yeah. Who <laughs> seemed incredulous. Yeah, like, yeah he really like, called guys, us out. Yeah, I like yeah. that he called us for our, yeah. for what it is. What it is. Although, when he was saying that stuff about musicals and how in real life people don't just break into song, I was mm-hmm. actually just thinking that no less than 20 minutes before, I had two people <laughs> break out in song right in that front of true. me. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of ironic. Good point. Yeah, good point. Kind of ironic. Uh, he he showed us. He was sitting here in studio and showing us some videos of his his daughter is a stud stand up comedian. Yeah, uh, very funny. Uh, very funny. His other, I think that's his other daughter. Yeah. Who it, the other daughter is featured in the book, and his other daughter Allie's the stud stand up comedian. So I don't know. She was doing a bit about his book coming out in paperback. Find that on. Tw- Online, I don't know, YouTube it or something. It was looked really, like really it was funny. A, like his Facebook page, his or something. Facebook yeah. page, yeah. Um, so Joanna won't be able to ever see that again. Yeah, because she's <laughs> she's off she's off of social media. Awesome. Well, I was never on Facebook. Uh-huh. To be that's fair, that's true. But uh-huh. but well, you can find it somewhere. That was really funny. Uh, the, the talk of food was was awesome. Uh, I really wish Just we a had, recap show. I wish we <laughs> I wish we had time. I wish we had time for him to you know maybe sing us a ditty or yes. Strum yeah. on the guitar. Maybe we can convince him of that on June twelfth. Yeah, let's bring. We'll Let, bring yeah, guitars. Bring, bring an axe. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Because he seems up for pretty much anything. Yeah. So again, you can see him June twelfth. It's Joanna Store Navy Yard. Uh, still sign up for the book club. It's runpacers dot com backslash book club. Uh, go out and buy the book. I think I'm going to get it on uh, on an audio book. And, and, and go for <laughs> even though he so kindly brought you yeah I know even though he brought me this nice paper see the thing book. is Farley doesn't read um, <laughs> I'm gonna read it this weekend because right, I'm, I'm going on vacation and I was actually thinking today you that need I a need book. a book good call uh, while I'm on vacation and I am gonna have this read before this show is posted yeah that's a good call I'm I think pumped. I, I'm, I'm gonna be gone this week too so that's a good good idea so thanks again. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Joanna's copy because I don't want my signed copy getting wet. That's true. We want I want to frame this one. So I'll, uh-huh. I'll 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 read Joanna's copy after yours. Well, let's mm-hmm. who's kidding who? I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna download the audio book and I'll listen to it on my runs. So, uh, but again, it's Tom Foreman. Go out and buy his book. It was it was uh, it was a fun interview. Uh, his book is My Year of Running Dangerously. So I mentioned at the beginning, guys, that the Army Ten Miler is still taking registrations. Generally, the Army 10 Miler is sold out, you know, within hours of it uh, opening. And here we are a week into it and still not sold out. Not surprising. Why? Why? I mean, do you have thoughts? Why? Really? Yeah, Metro. 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 Yeah, because of all this business that Metro is going to be closed and not running their normal hours. How are people going to get to the start? Okay, so tell me because I've never taken... Break it down for us. Yeah, I've never taken Metro to the Army 10 Miler start. How do you get there? I I generally drive over to Pentagon or I scooter over to Pentagon and then I, uh, you know, hop 
hop over the fence and then jump in there and you can <laughs> you can it's not that hard really because i i'm it's really a little parkour in Ar- before the race in arlington Lifting buses. Yeah. <laughs> in, Ar- in arlington it's not hard to get over there uh but from those fo- for those folks in dc or in maryland in maryland i yeah. can or the suburbs mm-hmm. or the suburbs i can mm-hmm. imagine the metro is the way to go so i've never taken the metro i've run the arlington miler a number of times so normally the metro opens early for the race Okay. Um, and I've taken the the metro to the start of the Armageddon Mallor before, and it's exclusively people running the race that are on the metro at that so time. So they open early, and how early is early? Um, so normally on the weekends, Metro opens on, at 7 a.m. Okay. So for the Army 10 Miler, it opens at 5, I believe. Okay. And it opens early for Cherry Blossom, too. And Marine Corps, I'm sure. And Marine Corps. Okay. So, Joanna, catch us up on the current events. What is Metro doing that's, that's uh, such an issue for this? So... I'll be honest. I don't know all the details. It's fine. <laughs> um, That's how we do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Your details are better than ours. Go yeah. ahead. So, so Metro, because of all the issues that they've been having over the past few years, they're going to do a huge safety overhaul, mm-hmm. which um, involves like having like in, during rush hour, you constantly have trains like every three minutes or so. And during mm-hmm. rush hour, they're going to have trains once every t- 20 minutes because of the work that they're mm-hmm. doing. And it okay. means cutting back on service. So the Metro will close early. Uh, during the week and also on the weekends and it will open later on the weekends as well and they're not going to be extending service for events like the army 10 miler i thought it was a cost thing because i know the metro does cost these events you know to the tune of twenty thousand dollars or something an hour and maybe the army 10 miler decided not to pay that well it sounds like you're 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 i mean i i I have no idea it sounds like Mm -hmm. your your rationale we would have bought both stories (laughs) right right but i do know it costs you know something like that but it sounds to me it sounds worth it for an event like the army 10 miler to open their you know wallets to get people to, to the start of the race so that's I think that's a factor. That's a uh, metro is still ruining people's lives. That's mm-hmm. that, that's a that's a good suggestion why it's not closed out. Do you have a, a different theory? Well, I thought you know, I mean, I I'd I love the Army Ten Miler, but you want to blame the millennials. I, I do think millennials actually that you bring that up, Doc. Uh-huh. I think they're looking for something different. I think they don't necessarily want the traditional road race as much as. Uh, the folks who aren't millennials or the older, the boomers or the Gen Xers. Or, so you think they're looking for something different like a beer mile? Like a beer mile. Yeah. I, I mean, the beer mile has been, you know, extremely well received. And I think that's an example of, you know, you know what, what folks are looking for uh, or they're looking for something different. Not a beer mile at the Army 10 Miler, but I'm not saying the Army 10 Miler is resting on their laurels, uh-huh. but, you know, I do think that these races need to, you know, progress and do things a little differently here as we move forward. You know what I, you know what I think happened? What? I think the race director showed up in jeans <laughs> uh, and nobody wants to run that race. Yeah, now. it's probably true. He yeah. probably, probably showed up in jeans to what? Some, you know, town square meeting where uh-huh. everybody was, where he's trying to convince people. Town uh-huh. square. There are town square meetings. That's such an old thing. Uh-huh. Is there a town square? Like, where's your town square? Actually, I have one right up the street. <laughs> Do you really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it wasn't a town square meeting, but maybe he showed up at mm-hmm. uh, a meeting that uh, some luminaries were at. In or the Lumineers. Or, Lumineers concert. Or, or there, but, too. But wait, I have a serious question okay. for you. So are you saying that you think the Army 10 Miler as a race needs to adapt? In, I, in I, this? I do. I think that. But what, what, do you, what do you want it to become? 
I think it's got to become more of a, an event that the docs was giving me a hard time or millennials are a hard time. I think that's got to become an event that millennials can relate to. And I think there's got to be more, you know, social media on the on the on the course or you know at the at the or GW Parkway run. no not necessarily a zombie <laughs> more z- more zombies uh-huh. on no course. but like at the at the uh, at GW Parkway race you know we had a spot where you could pull off to the side and you could you know snap a photo and you could facebook it with the GW Parkway logo with with the Potomac River in the background and a beautiful picturesque setting behind uh-huh. you you know, I think people are into that stuff. I don't know exactly what it is, mm-hmm. but I think you've got to continue to cater to this audience who doesn't want to just run that 10-mile race. Everybody isn't looking for a fast time like you are. Not everybody wants to run as fast as they can during, and I'm looking at Joanna here <laughs> for the listeners. Not everybody wants to train in PR. People want more of an experience and, and a different reason to you know, run or run races and they do it for different reasons. So that's my theory. And I'm uh-huh. not sure they've progressed. Uh, like I think also, I think another theory and, and, you know, we could put a poll on the website. Yeah. Uh, because this is now theory number four. Okay. Um, and I have a feeling Joanna's theory is going to run away with it, but, right. uh, just to offer another, another view, Maybe it has something to do with the Army football team not being able to win against the Navy football team every year. <laughs> All right, we could put that up there, Docs, uh-huh. but uh, I don't know. I, if I that's bet gonna... you, I bet you, if they have the Navy ten miler, maybe more people would come out and well, it would sell out quickly. Well, they do have the Navy half, half but mm-hmm. they don't have the Navy ten miler. To your uh-huh. point, you're right. It's a Navy half marathon. Oh, so they like the Navy half marathon is thirteen, and the Army is a ten. Yeah. That's familiar. <laughs> Thirteen ten is how these games go. Well, all right. Well, so does the does the Navy half sell out? Uh, you know, I think uh, it's it sounds like it does. Sounds like my theory is <laughs> is, is uh, gaining some steam. No, I, I'm not sure it's sold out totally. I, I think a lot of these races are having some of the same sort of problems. Uh, I'll tell you, there's been less entries into the New York City Marathon than there were in years past. I think people just want different experiences. I also doesn't even make me sound bad, but I also just think that that there there's a limit. Like I'm not I'm not because I'm not a race director too yeah. concerned that less people are running races. I think that's for the best. I think some of these races. Well, I'm concerned. I'll tell I, you. I know yeah. you're concerned, but I think some of these races reached a point that was probably more than they could handle. There's too many people running and it's, and I think that's also why some people choose not to run is because it's not a fun experience when you're shuffling for like five miles because there's too many people in the race. I think that's a, probably a better theory than the football theory, but yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah. So I'll, oh, is that theory number five? Yes. <laughs> we will uh-huh. we'll put a poll on the, on uh, the I would say theory number six, um, has to be with the gift bags. Do they have gift bags? Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> Maybe. Like, don't you think it'd be great if you finished and you got a gift bag? I think. It had like an iPod well, you, in there. Well, you you get that Fit Box beats, at the end of GW Parkway, which is nice. There's a lot of good snacks in there. Beats headphones. Yeah, that is that that is true. That we Banana flavored ice cream. <laughs> we do get that. We do get that fitful box. Yeah. I think that that's a big hit. And I, I think that's. You know, and again, I don't have all the details in front of me. Mm. You know, the Army 10 Miler could be doing a number of these things. This is my perception, 
Mm-hmm. And my perception may be the other, a lot of people's perception as well, other people's perception as well. Well, and I do think that sometimes logistics for Army 10 is tough. Um, where you drop your bags and where you congregate is so far away from the start. Right. Uh, so I, I think for some people, maybe the entire experience is just more work than they want to put into a race. Let us know. What, why why are you, have you not signed up for the Army 10 Miler? Tweet us at Pace the Nation. Email us. What's our email address? Uh, it's pacethenation at gmail.com. So email us, tweet us, let us know why you signed up or why you haven't signed up. Those are two ways that you can get in touch with the, the show and give us feedback on that or anything else you'd like to talk to us about. All right. I had a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. There is a holiday this week that mm-hmm. I mentioned. My mom's birthday. <laughs> well, happy birthday, uh, Mrs. Docs. Mm-hmm. That's not her name. Uh, <laughs> Global Running Day is June 1st, or was June 1st uh, this week. What's mm-hmm. global? Is this another Hallmark holiday? Like, how do we? Ca- how does Pace the Nation capitalize, like Hallmark capitalizes on Valentine's Day? Did we need to make cards so people could give the, their running friends? Maybe that's what we should have done. Or magnets or, or stickers. tiny stickers. <laughs> well, T-shirts. Since you mentioned stickers, I, I do have what? I do have some stickers here. I wanted to show you guys uh-huh. uh, some. Some larger stickers this time. Oh, they are li- they are indeed larger. Uh, they are a little bit different type. Uh huh. It's the stickers with the scratch and sniff. No, it's <laughs> it smells like a runner. It's not. Some, it smells like somebody who just. <laughs> it's it's a larger sticker that's not like the the actual cut. It's a uh-huh. square sticker that's it's not cut out of uh, the, the pastelation microphone. It is cut. It's perforated, but uh-huh. you can peel it off and you're going to have yourself. I'm not sure what these are called. Maybe they're called die cut or something like that. I have no idea what you're talking about. But um, also this one doesn't have lightning bolts shooting out of the uh, microphone. It's yeah. okay that it's not movie quality. <laughs> well, these, these are called kiss cut stickers. Uh-huh. What does that mean? All right, so the Kiss Cut stickers are... Keep oh. it simple, stupid. All right, so these are Kiss Cut stickers. Uh, and no, not keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's Kiss Cut stickers are the name for... Used for cutting the vinyl of the sticker, but not the backing off the paper. And it's basically on a rectangular piece of paper uh-huh. versus it neatly cut out of the, the paper. So basically what they do with this style of, of cut is they reduce the waste in their factory. Right. And then we have waste. Now we have the waste, and and we're distributing the waste, Right. whereas it could have been taken care of at the factory. Well, the point is we got... got And that means that we pay more on shipping. We we have bigger stickers now, so everybody Mm -hmm. who gave me a hard time about the tiny stickers, they are bigger. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to think of something else to give you a hard time about. (laughs) So how many stickers did did you uh, get? Is that it? I got 50. 50 of these? Yes. Wowzers. So uh, with 50 of these stickers, who who gets them? What's Is there something special? No, I was thinking that Joanna would come up with some sort of program for them. Uh-huh. What program? I don't know. <laughs> you, you you come up with that. A sticker program. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. You Put and that on your resume. <laughs> come up with something. I don't know. You, you're, you, something that relates to millennials. Come up with something that is, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, everybody is not a millennial. No stickers for you. No stickers for you. All right. So back to Global Running Day. Mm-hmm. What is Global Running Day? This holiday that we're missing out on. 
Is it a holiday? Why aren't we capitalizing on it, Joanna? What's going on? Well, Global Running Day is a day for people around the world to celebrate the joys of running. And basically, the participation is easy. You just pledge to take part in some type of running activity. That's it. That's it. Okay. And so it always takes place on the first Wednesday in June. So what if you were going to go for a run anyway? You're celebrating. You got to run more. Okay. You gotta you gotta dedicate part like and like striders at the end of it or something okay, like that. I like so that. All of our well, listeners do striders. The key is to share your passion for the sport and inspire others to get moving. Well, right. then that sounds to me like on Global Running Day we should get hundred thousand more listeners to the to the <laughs> right, podcast. Right. I think that's a that's a great goal. Can we get a hundred thousand people to pledge to listen to Pace the Nation on <laughs> Global Running Day? Yes, which Help happened us out. last week. Help us out. Um, there are fundraising opportunities available, okay. so you can go to globalrunningday.com and you can pledge to raise money for charities. All right. That's good. And it was So the whole thing started in 2009 in the United States when leading running organizations like the New York Roadrunners, the Atlanta Track Club, and then big races like the Rock and Roll Series owned by Competitor decided to have a day to celebrate running. All right. And then uh, it grew, grew to global proportions. I'm, I'm with it. I like it. I'm all for it. I will run and I will pledge to promote the show more on, nice. on Global Running Day. Great. Great idea. Well, I love what, it. what advice did you have for me? Well, I think you should run around the equator. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a long way, man. That's the longest way around the earth. Is it? I wish this was coming out before Global Running Day because then we could ask our listeners to tell a story of how they inspired others to run or mm-hmm. about their right. own running and then they could get a sticker they could still do that they could still do that but it won't be like on global running day that's true then let's invent our own our own holiday <laughs> pace the nation day pace the nation day pace the nation day coming soon but mm-hmm. pace the nation day shouldn't that be april 25th yeah that's our uh, again we need to do something that's soon <laughs> right <laughs> all right we'll go we'll go back to uh the, no the that's our that's our happy that. anniversary birthday right but that's it just seems like maybe Party. that should be Pace the Nation Day. No, we should do more than one thing. Like, okay. Like, like Pace the Nation Day could be our half birthday. Oh, okay. Well, I, uh, I, I, October twenty fifth. I'll, I'll leave that to you guys to to figure Is that out. Marine Corps Day. Somewhere around there, but I'll leave you guys to figure that out. I hope everybody enjoyed their Global Running Day. All right, this week in the news. I feel like such a fraud now. <laughs> I mean, just this week? No. I mean, after having a real professional in here, I mean, you, the audience should have heard his his uh, sound check. I mean, uh-huh. maybe they will. <laughs> maybe you can put that in there. Maybe you all need to listen all the way through. <laughs> well, this this week in the news, and this is of course all the news running related that is important to the uh, host and hopefully the guests and listeners as well. We had a big race this weekend on the professional circuit. The Prefontaine Classic out in Eugene, Oregon took place. Mm-hmm. A couple of uh, noted, notable runners did not run. Uh, two previous podcast guests, Matthew Sensowitz and Kerry Gallagher, were not uh, on the start line at mm-hmm. Prefontaine. They generally would have been, but they are recovering uh, from from injuries, Matthew had a little bit of a foot issue. It sounds like so he's not been training, or he's been training but not been racing. Sounds like he'll be ready for the Olympic trials come uh, uh, July. And then apparently, uh, Kerry had uh, a 
appendicitis. Mm-hmm. But that was from Worlds, right? Yeah. So I, I but I so think she's, she's still recovering. From I think that. she's still recovering. It was, it, it was a long, a long process. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, but yeah. she's she sounds like she's back training. Mm-hmm. And so I just saw that this week that. Uh, those, and she just had a birthday. She did. Okay. It's today. Is it today? Happy birthday, happy, Carrie! Happy birthday! I always like to update our listeners on the guest that's been on the on the show. Sounds like both of those athletes will be ready to go come Olympic trials, and they both have a great shot at making the Olympic team in the fifteen hundred meters. They better because I only <laughs> want people that have been on the show to make the Olympics this year. I that's my two thousand sixteen goal. <laughs> well, uh, uh, you know, with that uh, in mind, Docs, we also mm-hmm. had a couple other athletes participate at. Mm-hmm. Pre, uh, uh, Molly Huddle. All right, a, Molly, you can make the Olympic was eleventh place, and she ran fourteen forty eight. Eleventh place, fourteen forty eight. Can you believe that? That wow. as fast mm-hmm. as she ran, she was very close to her own American record. So she's fit, ready to go. Uh, it's just a really competitive field. And then also Ashley Higginson ran. Uh, okay, you can also yeah. nine thirty three. You can also make the Olympics, Ashley. Yeah, which I think was an okay race for her there at Pre. Uh, so hopefully we get to see them. And that was the same race that Emma Coburn set the new American record. And then also in the news, Emma Coburn set the new American record there in the steeplechase in that same race at Prefontaine, running 9.10 for the steeplechase, which is pretty fast. Uh, Well, I would think so. Way faster my PR. (laughs) And that's that's what she judges herself against. Yeah, I mean, well, that was my event in college, so Uh I kind of liked it. pride you know i take pride uh, in it, you're a steeple people by, yeah she smoked <laughs> me by 15 seconds so that's the update on our olympic hopeful previous guests that's a very very niche segment yeah. olympic hopefuls who have been previous guests yes that is mm-hmm. that is a niche niche uh category almost as much as adventures in joanna's metroing right. <laughs> also in the news uh there was a 12 year old who finished a marathon how about that? Tyler Hagenson, 12, of West Fargo, North Dakota. He finished his first marathon, the Fargo Marathon, last week. What was his time? He ran six hours and six minutes. So your time is safe, <laughs> Joanna. <laughs> he didn't beat you. Uh-huh. He didn't do long training runs. He did, tended to do 18 to 20 miles, but uh, his longest training run was 13 to 14 miles. But still, 12 years old. I don't know how you guys feel about kids that age running a marathon, but... There's a whole story on it in Runner's World, and you can check it out in their news section. I think it's pretty cool. As long as he's not doing, you know, super high mileage, I think going out and running one time. Isn't 26 miles well, in a I mean, single just, day high mileage? But <laughs> just generally, I think if you can do it one day, it's not going to kill you. If uh-huh. you're running 100 mile weeks. I mean, I'm impressed 12. by his focus. Yeah. I think when I was 12, I don't think that I could have. I just don't think I had the determination to run a whole marathon. That's, that's true. Yeah. Well, I like to do stories of hundred year olds and twelve year olds. You yeah. don't like just the no, that, yeah, no, no, that no, no millennials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Wait, it. what would what would a twelve year old? What would he fall under? Do we, have we not defined that generation? Yeah, they yet? Ha- they can't define them when they're this young. You got to wait a little bit uh-huh. longer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who and is they? Who defines it? The same people that say that dogs uh, don't feel guilt. <laughs> All right, well, that's you're in the news. If you have any in the news uh, topics that you want us to read or So you don't have to hear about, these ones. <laughs> <laughs> you could tweet us at Pace the Nation. And also uh, send us an email at PaceTheNation at gmail.com. Um, of course, this podcast is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with five area DC locations. Pacers Running is for every run. We also have a location in... 
Princeton, New Jersey, 7 Palmer Square. So if you're in New Jersey, go check that out. And maybe go say hi to the Novo people. See, uh, But dress up. Yeah, dress up. See, yeah, see what they thought of my jeans. All right, we mentioned the beer mile uh, at the beginning. Uh, somebody had tweeted us asking what beer we were going to serve or what beer Blue Jacket was going to serve. And spoiler alert, we're recording this episode on Tuesday, so we're not doing a tweets this week right. because there hasn't been enough time. Right. So, Otherwise, we would have handled this in the tweets of the week. Yeah, but but uh, instead I thought we're was... burying it at at the end of a really long <laughs> show. <laughs> I thought it was a good question. Uh-huh. What beer is it going to be? Well, the beer is going to be Blue Jackets, pale ale, light beer, uh-huh. Miller Lite-ish. That's five percent alcohol. Uh-huh. But it, and it's not going to be a specific beer mile beer. But now that Philip Perry posed the question of what beer is going to be at the beer mile and. You know, is it a limited edition brew? Mm-hmm. I think we should push for the limited edition brew. Pacers brew or something uh-huh. uh, that, that uh, Blue Jack can whip up for us. I don't know how long it takes to make a beer, but... Yeah, and why would time. you know that? You're only uh, <laughs> investing in a brewery uh, yeah, down in Charlotte. True story. Uh, but the beer mile, of course, is July 9th at, down there at Navy Yard. Uh, you can still sign up for that as well. We've got... Uh, Registration's going fast, but uh, it should be a fun event. The host and the intern will be participating in the uh, relay version, mm-hmm. and maybe we we can twist uh, the, the host's arms. We can do the uh, full mile as well. Mm-hmm. Nah, relay. Sh- we we agreed to shaking. a relay. They're both shaking. Yeah, remember? Head. I'm like that kid who gave up the individual glory for the team. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, that was in the news segment that yeah, we that did. Was, that I believe was. he was from the University of Washington. He was. Mm-hmm. That was that was a good one. That sneak peek of the beer is only for Pace Nation listeners. Right. So that's going to be a guarded secret. Uh, so y- use that information responsibly. That's a good point, Docs. So maybe go to Blue Jacket and buy a bunch of the beer to practice with. <laughs> but that wouldn't buying a bunch of beer is not being responsible. That's yeah. Buy a responsible amount of beer. Okay, responsible amount of beer. Mm-hmm. And practice with water and some of the beer. And some of the beer and be safe. And we'll see you July 9th. Make good choices. Make good choices. Always make good choices. This podcast <laughs> doles out some amazing advice. <laughs> really good on the PSAs. Mm-hmm. Play the music. All right, great show, guys. You know, we had promised to keep the show an hour. Uh-huh. This one's going to be a little longer, but I think worth, well worth it. Tom was Tom Foreman was awesome. So thanks to Tom Foreman again. His book is "My Year of Running Dangerously: A Daughter, a Dad, a Ridiculous Plan." So come see him June twelfth over at Pacers Navy Yard, and buy his book. And buy his book too. Yeah. Thanks. And then, and then buy my book. <laughs> thanks to our, thanks to our intern Kelly. Thanks to you, the listener. And of course, my co-host, Docs, Joanna. Thank you, guys. Episode 57 in the books. I'm Chris Farley. This is Pace the Nation. We'll see you next week.
making their way. <laughs> the only way they know how. That's just a little bit more than the law will allow. Just a good old boys. Never mean no harm. It beats all you ever saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they were born. Yeehaw. Making the way. The only way they know how. <laughs> That's just a little bit more than the law will allow. I think we just got our podcast extra. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, January, February, March, April, May. Well, that sounds very professional. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, I see. You got to be really hot yeah. on these, don't you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. He is professional. Yeah, um, totally. I am back when I was in a band. <laughs> Wait, were you in a band? <laughs> I was in a oh, band. Oh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Joanna, yeah. write that down. Yeah. Uh, very cool interview, guys. I'm definitely reading the book now. A little, and, little embarrassed that I didn't read it beforehand. And I'm definitely buying a Foreman grill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, you know, I think that there was a couple people who were offered the Foreman grill job. I think uh-huh. maybe it's Hulk Hogan initially. Uh huh. We don't need to fact check because we don't fact check. Anyway, whoever it was turned it down, and I, I, I think that was probably the biggest mistake of Hulk Hogan's life. Well, all right. Well, the point. It was big. It was a big mistake. We're not disputing that, but.